0: On Christmas Eve in 1975 in Winter Garden, Florida, Tommy Ziegler called his friend's house looking for the chief of police, Don Fick. What Chief Fick heard on the phone set in motion a story that still isn't fully understood 45 years later. Tommy was found at his furniture store with a gunshot wound to the stomach. Further into the store, a macabre scene unfolded. His wife and in-laws were found dead in pools of their own blood. Another man, Charlie Mays, was also found dead. Tommy told police that Charlie tried to rob the store and open fire on Tommy and his family. Tommy's story quickly fell apart and he was charged with first-degree murder. In July of 1976, Tommy was convicted of quadruple murder and sentenced to death. everybody, and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. I'm Christy here with my sister, co-host, and partner in crime, Katie Weaver. Hey, Katie.
1: Hello. How's it going? Good. I feel like I'm at a weird angle there. That's better. <laughs> uh, it, it's going good. You know, it's, uh hey, the U.S. Uh, is going to the gold medal, game in the uh, in softball in the olympics oh really oh i'm gonna have to watch that well it's happening at 5 a.m well i'm definitely not gonna watch that i'll probably watch some kind of replay (laughs) so this is we're recording on monday night but uh this is our tuesday case but uh yeah 5 a.m of our time i'm getting i'm getting up but uh yeah you're pretty hardcore they've gone undefeated and now they're in the title game against japan And they beat Japan late last night with a walk-off home run in the the bottom of the 7th. It's been crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's super exciting. Yeah. I'm pretty excited about it. it.
0: It's
1: fun to have softball and baseball back in the Olympics.
0: Yes, it is. I think that that's really cool. They are definitely sports that should be there.
1: Totally. Agreed. So, I am well, and that's That's why.
0: I am glad to hear it. I am well. Also, I really haven't caught any of the Olympics yet. I keep thinking I'm going to catch everything on replay. You know, I have all these streaming services, and so it's not like, I don't know, sort of having trouble connecting with it. Yeah. So, I'm working on it.
1: Go watch seven on or three on three. There's there's no such thing as seven on seven basketball. Oh, three or, on three basketball. Three on three basketball. It is I've great fun. I
0: heard that's awesome. I will. Mm-hmm. I will definitely check it out. I have been... Way down the rabbit hole on lots of projects and just barely mm-hmm. poking my head out today. So, yeah, I'm like, um, I am
1: like that with cases right now. Ooh, do we have some business yes. coming up? Ooh. Yeah, we do. We do. Well,
0: and I'm excited to present this one to you today. I doubt this is a case you've ever heard of. This is a cold read for you. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to the intro, you know that there is someone in prison on death row for this murder, these yeah. murders. So, I'm just going to tell you the story, and it's kind of convoluted and 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 it's kind of complicated. But I'm going to tell you this story because Tommy Ziegler, who is the person on death row, has maintained his innocence adamantly for the last 45 years, and it turns out that things have not been handled appropriately with the courts so much so that he is still alive 45 years later, even though he's on death row. Because they have to keep looking back at his case again and again. Yeah. So ultimately you can imagine what I'm going to ask you when it's time. And that is, did he really do it or not? Mm -hmm. So let me tell you this story. So this is the story of Tommy Ziegler. He lived in winter garden, Florida. Well, you know, he's still alive. Um, And this is about the murder of his wife, Eunice and her parents The Edwards is, I'll get their first names to you. Oh, Perry and Virginia Edwards, as well as uh, a man named Charlie Mays. So Tommy owned a furniture store in Winter Garden and he was kind of well known. He was one of those, you know, one of those businessmen that's always at every local community event, sort of Uh making himself known. Yeah. So this was on Christmas Eve in 1975. So there was a Christmas party going on and Tommy and Eunice were actually um, invited to be there and they were going to ride with Don and Rita Fick. And Don Fick uh, was the chief of police and they were friends and they were going to ride to this party. Mm -hmm. But the time for them to meet up for the party kind of came and went and they couldn't find tommy and eunice and so the fix just went on to the party because they were like hey we're we're still gonna have our christmas eve yeah so at 9 18 pm tommy ziegler calls the home of the party and asks for Don, the uh, chief of police and he says there's been a robbery at, at his store and that he's been shot and that he needs help it's always kind of been a weird thing that he called the chief of police instead of just right. dialing 911. Um, yeah. But a lot of people say this was a small town. He knew the people that he needed were going to be at that party. And so this was sure. just faster. Yeah. So, I mean, th- this is a small place. It only takes three minutes for them to get from the party to the store. He comes out of the store. They help him. He's covered in, a, his shirt is covered in dried blood. By 923, two minutes later, he's checked into the hospital and sent into surgery uh, where they find that the bullet that went into his abdomen missed his liver by centimeters. So while Tommy is off, you know, being medically stabilized, uh, Detective Don Fry of the the Orange County Sheriff's Office kind of takes over the crime scene. Well, inside the store, they find four bodies. Eunice Ziegler, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Perry and Virginia Edwards, who are Eunice's parents, and Charlie Mays, who is um, a a man that runs a, a team of migrant workers who pick oranges in the area. And known to Tommy as somebody who buys furniture and various things on credit at his store. So he was familiar with all of them. Mm -hmm. They'd all been shot. Some of them with more than one gun. And both men had also been beaten pretty severely physically. So the evidence in this case was super complicated, as you can imagine. There is blood everywhere. There had been a breaker flipped in the store. And so for a while they didn't have there was no power like everything was in the dark weird right there's bloody footprints around there are several discarded guns laying about um and then they, you know they're trying to analyze like blood spatter and spray mm-hmm. and that and trying to figure out who died first and then There are things like sitting on top of dried blood, which seems weird, like, Mm -hmm. you know. So they also noticed that there is a trail of blood that leads away from the telephone that Tommy had used to call for help. There wasn't a trail of blood to the phone that he had used to call for help. So because of that, they immediately considered him a prime suspect because they thought he had probably shot himself after he made the phone call asking for the help from the uh, chief of police. So they they got pretty heavy on this theory that this is Tommy. And, you know, a lot of the evidence did not get evaluated that way that it should have. It was very complicated. In many cases, there was blood on blood. So there were people had blood on them that wasn't their own and a lot of the blood was dry Mm
1: -hmm.
0: which seemed strange
1: yeah
0: um you know there are a lot of experts that come back to this and say they didn't process this scene correctly Mm
1: -hmm.
0: this also was 1975 and so you know we're talking early days of um forensics yeah and so they you know there was a lot that went on here. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to tell you, this is what Tommy says happened. He says that he and his wife, Eunice, were planning to give her parents a recliner for Christmas and that she and her parents had gone to the store to pick out the chair. Mm -hmm. Um, Tommy had been waiting for a different friend. His name is Edward Williams. And he and Edward were going to be dropping off some Christmas presents that they had wrapped that they were needing to deliver somewhere. And he was supposed to meet Edward at his house at 7 p.m. And Edward was late. Um, And when they finally, he did get there, um, Williams took him to the store. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So Tommy says he went into the store that was Dark, you know, the lights weren't on, Mm -hmm. but he tried to turn on the lights and couldn't. Um, They knew later that the breaker had actually been flipped. He said that he was assaulted by at least two men. And there was some testimony that he did have a lump on the back of his head, although we don't know how he got it. Mm -hmm. And that his glasses had been broken and they were found broken in the store, but we don't know how they were broken. He says that he may have fired one shot in self-defense from a 22 that he wore in a holster, but apparently this gun jammed and he threw it at his assailants is what he said. He also had a 357 Colt pistol in a desk drawer there in the store and that he went and got that and that he may have also fired shots with this. There's a lot of, he may have, and this is how he reported it mm-hmm. as though he was unsure Of what he had done. Um, He says that he doesn't really remember how many shots he fired before he was shot and knocked to the floor unconscious that he passed out for a while. He says that when he woke up, the men were gone and he crawled around the store to try to find a phone to call the chief of police at the party. So that was his story. Now his story doesn't necessarily match the evidence that, you know, there was a lot of confusion about why was the blood dry? Yeah. If this all had just been happening around the time, you know, he called the chief of police at nine eighteen, why had this just, this blood just dried? Um, You know, he says he passed out for a while, but there's some evidence that maybe that wasn't the case. There were five guns found at the scene, and there were about 30 bullets that had been fired inside the store. There was a metal crank that was used to, like, roll up linoleum or something like that, that had been used to, to, uh, like, bludgeon Perry Edwards. And Charlie Mays. So they had both been beaten as well as shot.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, There were a few other weird things that went on around earlier in the day. So earlier in the day, a couple of men, a man named Felton Thomas and Charlie Mays, were asked by Tommy to go out into an orange grove and fire some guns. And they did. And they did, in fact, prove that they did find a shell casing out in the orange grove to prove that they'd been out there. But it was thought that he was trying to get their fingerprints on the guns. And I don't know. There was all this kind of setup that sort of made it look like he was trying to set up these three men. so there was uh, Charlie Mays and and Felton Thomas. And then the other man who he had drive him to back to the um, furniture store after they were dropping off presents. Mm-hmm. Um, He never went in. He says that when they got to the store, Charlie said, or or, no, his name is not Charlie. It's so confusing. There's so many of them. Uh, Tommy said that he forgot his keys. And so he started breaking a window like he was going to break into the store. And he just started acting real crazy. And so um, this guy... Says, you know, I think I'm just gonna go. I don't really know what's going on here. And in the midst of that, Tommy pulled a gun on him. Wow. And when Tommy said, you know, when his friend said, whoa, what are you what are you doing? You know, what's what's going on here? Um, he gave him the gun and said he was really sorry. Mm-hmm. For, for pulling the gun on and gave him the gun oh, so that okay. was that was edward williams so that was uh-huh. the third guy so there were these three guys that were maybe potentially set up for this mm-hmm. so in july of 1976 he goes to trial for for um for some reason that i don't understand Three of them ended up, three of the cases ended up being first degree murder, um, capital cases, and one of them was not a capital case. But ultimately, he gets convicted of first degree murder and he's, you know, sent to prison and, you know, he's on death row, that kind of thing. He's going to be executed so he's fighting it the whole time. Like he, he really never gave up fighting it. Mm-hmm. Um, he was actually scheduled to be executed in October of 1982, but the U S district court in Jacksonville stayed that execution because they said there was new evidence. um, So that didn't really get him anywhere. And so then he was scheduled again to be executed in May of 1986. This time, the execution was stayed by the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals due to inadequate representation. And in April 1988, Ziegler's death sentence was actually overturned. And then he was resentenced to the death penalty. (laughs) It's just very... Very convoluted. He has fought every little tiny possible thing he could fight. Mm -hmm. In 2005, he made a request for a new trial. Um, That was denied because DNA failed to conclude that Charlie Mays Mays was the perpetrator. Um, However, he has been denied the right to have his own DNA analysis done of some of the evidence that happened in 2013 and 2016. Okay. And then again in 2017, he was denied touch DNA analysis. So in May of 2021, okay, so we are now 46 years since these murders, um, a Florida prosecutor has now agreed to allow DNA testing um, on the evidence that helped convict him. So we're back to totally up in the air Mm -hmm. about this case. So I want us to take a little break. And when we come back, I want to ask you some questions about Tommy Ziegler and these murders. Okay. 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 And we're back. Okay. So I've laid out this story of Tommy Ziegler and his wife, Eunice and her parents and Charlie Mays. And this is a a hell of a mind bender case. It seems like it's simple. It seems like he just did it all. Except that there are still some pieces that don't quite fit. And there's been some, questionable action by judges and by prosecutors and he has kept himself from being executed like at least twice maybe three times um now is finally getting to do some of the dna that he's wanted to do And he, you know, Tommy Ziegler maintains that he interrupted a robbery and that that's how these murders happened. Uh, Very clearly, that is not how the police and the prosecutor saw it at all. So I wanted to lay this very complicated case out for you, Katie, so that you could give us a cold read on what you think. Did Tommy Ziegler do this? Are we missing something here? Is this just defense attorney game playing to keep somebody from getting executed? I mean, what the hell is going on here?
1: So maybe unpopular opinion, but I don't believe he did it. Okay, I don't. And I think that the DNA, I'm a little worried that the DNA is just going to be inconclusive. But it's, it's such a mess. But but I hope for his sake. The hard part is. I feel like he was wrapped up. In some unsavory stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's the problem. I do feel like. He had some enemies. I feel like he had a gambling problem. And that he owed. An exorbitant amount of money.
0: And. There were. Um, life insurance policies. Equal to $500,000 on his wife, Eunice. And that was in 1975. So that was right.
1: a, lot of money.
0: a heck of a lot of money. Yeah.
1: And that's where it gets really ugly because, yeah. Because while I don't think he did it, I do think that he was wrapped up in some bad stuff that uh, basically caused this. And that uh, I think he really knows who did it. I- I'm not so sure that he didn't know what was going to happen. I, I kind of think that he did. Mm-hmm. No, it was going to happen, but he or, or wasn't sure that it might not happen. Like, I, I feel like he had a sense of what was going on, mm-hmm. and but he didn't actually do it, and that's why he's so sure that if his DNA like if they correctly do the DNA, that it would exonerate him because he didn't actually do it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think he was shot before he went to the phone. I mm-hmm. just think that he had pressure or that he had that wound kind of sealed up to the, you know, and when he got to the phone and stood straight up, it opened it up and it started bleeding. I don't think that that's actually evidence. I feel like it's not quite accurate. I do feel like they wanted it to be him. It made it easy. It
0: mm-hmm. got
1: so much scrutiny, attention, drama to the town. I feel like people got very caught up in that.
0: hmm it's true. Yeah. It's true. And they wanted to, the detective, the main detective on this case, this was his first, like, solo being in charge of a crime scene. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like he, uh, Detective Fryden, like, he really, really wanted to solve this. Mm-hmm. And he was the one that went, Oh, there's no blood trail to the phone. Mm-hmm. It's got to be him, basically.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just think they were wrong about that and the, what they were saying and how it happened. But so it is, it's a, it's a murky road because uh, was he up to bullshit and did his behavior and actions cause this? Yeah. Did he know it was going to happen? I feel like he had a suspicion. I feel like that's what all the guns were about.
0: Mm -hmm. Cause yeah, there were a lot of guns on this crime scene. There were five guns there.
1: I actually think that he sent those fools out to shoot those guns because he was trying to build himself a little posse. He wanted to know that Mm -hmm. they could shoot guns. And then Mm -hmm. the guy that he brought back with him, he wanted to know that he could shoot a gun or that he had a gun. I don't know that he expected it to be, to happen the way it happened. Mm -hmm. You know, like at the time that it happened, in other words. But Mm -hmm. I think he knew that people were coming for him and were coming Mm -hmm. for either his business or his family. He was in big trouble.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, everything that I read says, oh, his business was really solid. He was totally fine. But I'm not sure how they actually know that other than he was kind of a blowhard, you know, and he was talking big about himself and his business and his money, you know. Mm -hmm. He was one of those guys all over town. Yeah. And I do sort of wonder, like, did they actually do, like, forensic? I haven't seen any, Yeah. any... Anything reported anywhere that I saw in this case that they did like forensic accounting or anything to make sure that right. was he
1: really all that solid or was that just
0: his word?
1: Right. Yeah. How much did he owe? How much did other people owe him? Mm-hmm. But see, I think with these guys, he was kind of trying to build his little his little team. I see. That was, that's what it was about. But um, so I think that he did get beat up. I do. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they intended on killing him. I think that it was always, uh, you know, I don't think they meant to shoot him. I think they meant to rough him up and scare the crap out of him. But he started shooting. And Mm -hmm. so they started shooting. And I don't think that when his wife and in-laws were murdered or Tommy, not Tommy. Charlie. Charlie that was there. I don't think the breaker was flipped at that point. I feel like that was done knowing that he was coming back. And I feel like they knew that he was coming back because his wife told them so, Uh you know, they were in absolute terror and I mean, obviously some pretty brutal guys. I don't think that the gambling, um, I don't know if you call it a ring or probably I was in his town. I feel like it was a few towns over Mm -hmm. and that he was headed off to play cards every so often. And more often than not, it had gotten in that this is kind of what happened. You mm-hmm. know, because he did have, he was a big blowhard and he was also a big, you know, spend it up chuck when he got to uh, gambling too. And over spend I, it, up I, chuck, huh? I know. Do like that? <laughs> uh, I don't know where that came from. I don't even know what that means, but <laughs> that is a new
0: catchphrase. We're going to be using that. You'll be hearing it on the show.
1: Spend it on with resting code
0: face and golden vagina. You just wait. That's right.
1: <laughs> yep. It's going to be one of those. Yep. Yeah. He was um, a
0: real spend it
1: up chuck mm-hmm, well, yeah, because I feel like he really overestimated himself, you know, and was yeah. kind of an easy mark because he overestimated himself. So at any rate, that's that's what I believe happened. I do think the guys that they sent in to do this were really brutal. I do not think they were from there. I feel like they slipped right on out of town. and again, everybody was it was Christmas Eve. Nobody was out and about. Mm -hmm. that little town they were all at that party or they were at another party they were doing christmas eve and so i think it was easy for people to slip into town and cause some mayhem and get out of town before uh you know without really being caught i think it's really disappointing that the way things have been done they were just so sure it was him that they didn't look any further
0: Mm -hmm. that's been the criticism for a long time and also that at that time, Winter Garden, Florida was just one of those little towns where nothing bad ever happened until this did. Mm-hmm. And that there was a real desire to not look too deeply into the town because they didn't want to find out any other bad guys in their town.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, or expose any other nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it's horrifying and it's really sad. I'll be really interested to see what the new DNA says. My gut feeling is it's not going to say much. But... They're trying
0: to look at, at like touch DNA. Yeah. And one issue was that there are, there's blood on various pieces of clothing where there's like spatter and then there's spatter over top of that. So there's some of it is about the timeline about who was killed first and you know, somebody's blood dried on top of, you know, on their clothes and then somebody else's dried on top of that, that kind of thing that they're trying to, you know, kind of breaks down the timeline, but then also touch DNA about various places. I mean, I hope they have the evidence for touch DNA because did they even know that was a
1: thing in 1975? I know that's my worry is going to be.
0: Unless they're just using like, the fingerprints they have. I don't know. I'm not sure what they're using, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what he's trying to get reviewed.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and one
0: question was that because there was so much blood spatter that you can't just test one little tiny spot of a piece of fabric because that might not tell you whose DNA is on the entire piece of fabric. So you have to touch t- to test multiple spots and stuff like that.
1: So. Interesting though, where they have, Daughter and parents, that they should be able to sort that out. You know,
0: right, right. They should. But it really hasn't been as of yet.
1: Yeah.
0: Although at one point they did determine that Charlie Mays wasn't the murderer by DNA. I don't know how they could have determined that only by DNA, right. considering what a mess this crime scene was.
1: But. Charlie was not the murderer. I don't think that Charlie no. was a super smart guy. I think Charlie wanted mm-hmm. friends I feel like he was kind of uh, flattered that Tommy was you know he, he'd let him buy on credit he was nice to him he trusted him to go out and shoot some guns and let him know how they shot and you yeah. know he was coming in there to uh to see him and bring him some guns back and talk to him and
0: I think he was supposed to be picking up a TV that he'd been paying on ah. For Christmas Eve as well but yeah I, I agree that there's a real kind of hero worshipy kind of energy there that's mm-hmm. sad
1: I do think that he and the the father-in-law tried to fight back Yeah. when these people came in and that uh, that's why they got beat up because they tried to stop them you know yeah. uh, mm. it's so so ugly
0: it is it is so ugly and you look back at it and it just, it's never gotten any better, mm-hmm. so you know? And you, you think about if that were to happen now, our capabilities, you know, law enforcement's capabilities of, you know, crime scene management and forensics and stuff,
1: yeah.
0: it'd be a very different picture than it was back then. And I think it's very hard to use the technology of today on the evidence that was collected then Mm-hmm. Will that really answer any questions at this point? I kind of don't think it will, unfortunately. But yeah, we'll see.
1: So, what was the prosecution's stance on motive?
0: Uh, the, um,
1: the life insurance.
0: The life insurance. Okay. And that if he killed her, he was going to have to kill his kill her parents because she would they would know it was him. I mean, it's kind of flimsy.
1: That's really flimsy. Yeah.
0: Kind of flimsy. Yeah. And that you know.
1: But again. He acted weird. He did weird things because he, he was involved in this. He just wasn't the killer.
0: Right. Right. Agreed. And that's been part of it. He did some weird stuff mm-hmm. and that, you know, that made it really easy for them to go, oh, he's acting weird. He did this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, but that's why their evidence hasn't held up enough to execute either. Yeah. But.
0: Well, you know, and interestingly, the. uh jury actually came back and recommended life in prison and it was the judge who made the decision to give uh the death penalty on this Mm -hmm. but that's still you know i mean you think my gosh this guy's been in prison for 45 years yeah supposedly on death row but he's still living and still fighting yeah
1: well he knows he didn't do it yeah You know, he knows he didn't do it. He knows that if things are done correctly, it really will show that he didn't do it. It's just crappy because he did, he was involved. So there's that, you know.
0: Yeah, I hear what you're saying. saying. Well, thank you. I have found this case very um, interesting and, you know, just really wanted to get your read on on really what happened there because it's obviously a real mind bender, even now, 45 years later. For sure. Well, thank you. This is our Tuesday case. So we have one more case coming out this week. And then we will be back on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific for the uh, case updates updates and Thursday night for uh, the Psychic Hour. I will also be back today, tonight, Tuesday, 7 p.m. Mountain for uh, Spirit School. And it will be um, Heart Chakra First Aid. Mm -hmm. So if you are signed up for Spirit School, you'll have access to that. If you haven't, just join the membership on the homepage of our YouTube channel. And then you will have access to that class. It is a live stream, but you don't have to attend it live. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be fun. I'm going to have a special gift to send home with all of you.
1: Very cool. Yeah. All righty. I like it. Well, me
0: too. Well, Katie, thank you so much for that read. And you guys know it. We are True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Thanks for being here.
1: Take care.